We want to welcome all of you. Happy, happy, happy Easter. Happy Resurrection Day. It is so good to be alive today to worship the Lord. Oh, friends, I'll tell you what a day this is that we're living. These are the most incredible days in which we're living today. I know it's difficult for many, but these are very important days. Extremely important. Very significant. And I'm going to share a little bit about that later on. But if you brought your Bibles, we are in the book of Luke chapter 8 and also Mark chapter 16. I can't get over that music. I'm still trying to graduate from the music and the worship into the preaching. It's just so powerful. My, 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 my. Yeah, okay. We got a couple of that. That's good, that's good, that's good. Luke chapter 8, verses 2 to 3, and then Mark 16, verses 1 to 9. And a certain woman, or women, they were plural, which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities called Mary Magdalene, and out of whom seven devils and Joanna the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward and Susanna and many others now watch this now which ministered unto him of their substance Mark chapter 16 verses 1 to 9 Mark chapter 16 verses 1 to 9 and when the Sabbath was passed, Sabbath being Saturday, now it's Sunday, Mary Magdalene, the same Mary that we're reading in Luke 8, and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, had brought sweet spices that they might come and anoint Jesus. Verse 2. And very early in the morning, the first day of the week, which is Sunday, they came unto the sepulcher, at the rising of the sun. So it was very early. Extremely early. And they said among themselves. Who shall roll away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? And when they looked. They saw that the stone was rolled away. For it was very great. It was a big stone. And they were shocked and they were surprised. And entering into the sepulcher. They saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment, and they were afraid. And they said unto him, and he said unto them, Be not afraid, ye seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen, he's not here. Behold, the place where they laid him. But you go your way, and you tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee, and there shall ye see him as he said unto you. And they went out quickly and fled from the sepulcher, for they trembled, and they were amazed. Neither said they anything to any man, for they were afraid. And when Jesus was risen early, the first day of the week. Now watch this. He appeared first 
he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom had cast seven devils. Isn't that amazing? That Jesus appeared first to a woman that was possessed with seven demons. Oh, there's a sermon coming. As we begin this morning, brothers and sisters, today we want to look at the Easter message through the eyes of a woman who had an encounter with God, who had an experience with God. And we want to focus in on this word encounter, this word experience. And I want to focus in on it because today throughout the world, all over the world, you will see thousands, millions, millions celebrating Easter, the resurrection day of Jesus Christ. Oh, they'll have family gatherings. People will travel many miles to come together to celebrate, to have dinner together, to celebrate Easter, yet they don't understand the reality of Easter. You know, there was a survey done many years ago in the UK by Barna Institute. It's a Christian organization. They do surveys, and they surveyed uh, the British Isles 23, 24 years ago. And the question that they surveyed, they asked them, why do you celebrate Easter? This was the question. This was the survey. And are you ready for a shock that might shock you? 53% didn't fully understand why they celebrate Easter. This is the UK. This is where some of the greatest evangelists, some of the greatest men of God, people like Spurgeon, John Wesley, where the greatest revivals took place in England, in the British Isles. 53%. Maybe it's even higher today, I'm not sure. What a sad commentary that is. Yet it is a sign of our times. Signs in which we live in. The Bible tells us that Mary Magdalene had an encounter with God. She is mentioned 14 times in the New Testament. And that's important because that tells me that she is a very significant person. And we're going to see why. And I got to ask you, what was it about Mary that set her apart? What was it about Mary that was so special, that was so unique? The Bible tells us she comes from a little town called Magdala. Now when my wife and I went to Israel a few years ago with another church, we were there and we wanted to visit Magdala, the town of Magdala, but you remember it was under excavation. We couldn't go in. I really wanted to see this place. She's from Magdala, the Sea of Galilee, near Tiberias, not too far from there. Mary is an interesting character. She's a shadowing figure to say the least. She comes into the scene and she vanishes just as quickly. But oh my brothers and sisters, what an impact she leaves. You see, it's not how long you are at a place. It's not how many years you've done certain things. It's, it's not about how much time you were there. It's, it's what you've done while you were there that matters it's the impact it doesn't matter it could be 20 years it could be 30 years it could be five it, she made an incredible impact in such a short period of time 
Now her identity tells us that she's from Magdala, but her life tells us that she had an encounter, an experience with God. And I need to ask you this morning in the year 2022, brothers and sisters, have you had an encounter with God? Now you think about it for a moment. I'm not talking about knowledge. All these people that are traveling all over the world to celebrate Easter, they might have some form of knowledge of, of what Easter is, of what the resurrection is. They have a knowledge, but as you've heard me say over and over again, knowledge without experience means nothing. If I don't have an experience with God, it means nothing. I could go to Bible college for 20 years and have just knowledge of God. I can be in church for 60 years and only have knowledge of God, but I don't have an experience with them. Mary had an experience. And if, I, if I'm going to wrap everything up into what Easter is, yes, we know intellectually it is when Jesus rose from the dead, but for me, Easter is having an encounter with God. She had an encounter with God. Jesus touched her life forever. It wasn't just for a week, 10 days, or because she felt nice. She was transformed from that day on. Something powerful happened to Mary. And the Bible tells us that she had an infirmity. She was possessed with devils. Now, I want to park my car here for a moment because I need to talk about this. I really need to talk about this. She, the Bible calls it an infirmity. She was possessed. Verse 2. Seven demons. Now I need to ask another question. I might be asking you a few questions this morning. Have you ever seen anyone who's been possessed by a devil? I'm just, it's a rhetorical question. I'm not asking you to raise your hands. Right? Has anybody ever seen someone or experienced a, a situation where you were face to face with someone possessed with devils? I'm not talking about somebody who's moody. <laughs> you know, someone's had a bad day. Someone who maybe said some terrible things and got angry at you. Oh, I'm not talking about that. That's, you know. I'm talking about someone who is literally possessed with demons. I have several times. And it's not geographical either. You know, I might say, give an example, what happened in India or in Haiti. Oh, that's because it's geographical, that's what happened. No, no, friends. Let me tell you something about evil spirits. These are disembodied spirits and their whole purpose in their existence is to possess people when you study the scriptures you'll find that to be true there are spirits that you and I cannot see that have been cast down we from heaven in rebellion against God along with Lucifer their king Satan himself and they are roaming the earth Jesus speaks of this I don't have time to get into it they are roaming the earth not only causing havoc and causing problems, but they're trying literally to possess human beings. To possess the people God created who are in the likeness, in the image of God. That's their 
That's all, their raison d'etre, that's their purpose. They want to possess, and, and they will do whatever they can to find access in doing so. Mary was possessed with seven demons, but they find access because of certain things that people do. What you do greatly affects what takes place in the spirit realm. I've seen demon activity in the lives of individuals in Canada, in Montreal. I've seen it in, in Pakistan when I preached. Incredible experiences there. I've seen it in India many times. I've seen it in Haiti. I've seen it in Ghana when I was there. I've seen it everywhere. It's not geographical. It's a reality. There are princes. We are in a battle. And the Bible says in Ephesians that we're not fighting against flesh and blood. My, my battle is not with you in the flesh. There are principalities in high places, demonic, spiritual imps, doing what they can to torment and to possess and to destroy. And as I've said over and over again, if God would open our eyes to see into the spirit realm, it would shock you. We couldn't handle it. I remember I was in Montreal, I was in Place Dupuis, and I, I've, been, I've just became a Christian. I left Los Angeles, and I'm, I'm back in Montreal where I'm born and raised, and I was sharing the gospel day and night in this place with my mom. We had a store there, and I kept sharing the gospel. I couldn't stop just witnessing to all kinds of people. People were coming to church. And, and I remember one day, I, I, I walked out of, 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 uh, of, the, of the mall, Place Dupuis, and I was on the corner of... Um, of de Maisonneuve and, and Saint Hubert, not too far from there. And I was just on de Maisonneuve, just, just to get a breath of air. I, you know, I was just tired and a little bit hot. And, and that's it. That's all I went there. And I couldn't help, I noticed a man just looking at me across the street, just looking at me. And I said, This is really strange. And not was he, he had a look that was so out of this world. And I could not, I thought I was dreaming. And then all of a sudden, I see in his right, he's got this bar in his hand, like a crowbar. And out of nowhere, he takes the crowbar and he begins to run towards me with a facial contortion, an expression and words, curse words. I didn't, I couldn't make out what, it wasn't French, it wasn't English. I don't know what language it was. It was demonic. And this person, I just got saved, maybe I'm saved about a year, about a year and a half maybe. I didn't know much about all these things. And this man is approaching me, and I can tell you now, he wanted to kill me, there's no doubt about it. Never met him in my life. Don't know who he is. Now can you imagine being in that situation? Who's, what did I do? With? And he comes right towards me, and being young in the Lord, I, you know, what do you do? All I can do, all that came out of me was Jesus. I said, in the name of Jesus. I said, in the, I just instinctively, in the name of, nobody taught me, nobody trained me. Gee, in the name of, stop, cease, whatever. I've, and friends, he was about maybe a two, three feet away from me at that time. And I can tell you, was God is my witness this morning. He fell back about, I don't know, at least five feet. I didn't touch him. He just, like, like an elastic band, you know, just fell back. I didn't touch him. And he began to grimace on the, on the ground. This is in public. 
and he began to contort and, and, and all kinds of, of, of grumblings and, and it was just a scene like you think it's from a movie. And I'm there, I said, what is going on here? And he got up and he just whimpered away and that was it. I didn't fully grasp it at the moment and I realized this was an attack from the devil. There is no doubt in my mind. The enemy wanted to stop me from sharing the gospel. Friends, we're in a warfare. And this woman was possessed by seven demons. Why was she possessed? What did she do? What was it about her? Now many believe that Mary was a prostitute. I don't believe she was, and there's reasons we're going to get into that. But if she was a prostitute, like many believe, then what that does, if you are a prostitute, or if you're involved in a lot of sexual activity, promiscuity, a lot, you open yourself to things. And it's not just sexual transmitted diseases, that's just natural. But you open yourself up spiritually to all kind of demon activity. When you join yourself with another human being physically, something spiritual also happens. I am convinced that there are people that can become possessed. You don't know who you're sleeping with, who that person is, if you're a prostitute for sure. So some believe, yes, yes, she was possessed because of her occupation. She was a prostitute. She had all these, we don't know, but, but she could have also been possessed by another reason. Why do people get possessed? Another way is false cults, idolatry. The Bible says to flee two areas in your life. To flee sexual immorality. The Greek word to flee means to run with all your might, by the way. Not just to run, with all your might. And then to flee idolatry, worshiping false gods, pagan gods. These are demons, demonic gods. And I tell you, when I've talked to, my, to, to my, some of my friends in India, where they've been delivered, some of these gods they used to, they're not gods, these are demons. She could have been possessed by worshiping false gods of pagan worship. You know, in the Greek mindset, back in the day, they had temple prostitution and they would be worshiping the god of fertility and they would have sexual orgies as a form of their worship. That's demonic activity going on. And so one can be possessed through sexual promiscuity, one can be possessed through worshiping false gods. These are demons. And I know this to be true because you've heard me say over this pulpit, when I was in India, I was preaching the gospel in, in, in a house. But it, it, it was packed with people. You couldn't move. And as I was preaching the word, all of a sudden this woman in front of me begins to manifest. She falls off her chair Friends, I'm telling you, this is, this, is, this is what I saw and what I experienced. And she begins to manage, and she begins to contort like a snake. And I even heard noises, like hissing sounds. And she begins to, to, to become like a snake. And she, you can't imagine how a body can, can move like that. It wasn't because she was a gymnast, let me tell you. <laughs> These were unnatural movements, unnatural like a snake. And again, 
Now, now I'm a little bit older in the Lord. I was pastoring in Brantford at the time. And I knew right away this was a demon. And I looked at this woman and she's contorting. And I, said, I looked and I said, brothers, could you come and pray with me? This is right in the service. Right in the service. In the name that is above every name. In the name of Jesus Christ. The one who died and rose again. In the name of, I command you devil to come out of this woman. And brothers and sisters, I tell you, as God is my witness, immediately, this woman stopped contorting, stopped moving, and she kind of got up from the floor, and she was like in a daze, what just happened? Demon possession is real. I know Hollywood and the world try to demean it and it's just, oh, it's just someone's personality. It is not. We are dealing with principalities. I'm only saying this to explain our text that this woman had some serious issues. We don't know why she was possessed. Was she a prostitute before? You see, another way you can get possessed is through the occult. Witchcraft. Witchcraft. Ouija boards. All this opens your spirit to the demonic realm. I know this again. I've had friends before in my, when I was living in Guatemala who practiced these things. I've actually met and talked to one presently who was involved with witchcraft and the spirit realm. I preached a youth campaign years ago and the Lord spoke to my heart and I had an altar call for those that were involved in, 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 in these type of games and, and, and Dungeons and Dragons another demonic game where people act out parts and become that part there's so many things that you might think are, are innocent and things that are fun that have a demonic influence to it this woman was possessed with seven demons not one, seven Something serious was going on in her life. The Bible has a lot to say about this. And Jesus dealt with her one day. The scriptures tells us in verse 3, there were three women. Mary, Joanna, and Susanna. But the key is, George, if you can show me verse 3, here's the key word I want to focus in on this morning as we get into the Easter message in just a second. Notice now, Joanna, Susanna, and Mary, watch this now, ministered, which means to serve in the original, ministered unto him, watch this now, of their substance. Whatever they had, they wanted to minister to Jesus. They wanted to bless Jesus. They wanted to do whatever they can to support Jesus. Contributing from their own resources to support Jesus. Now what's important to know, friends, is this. They immediately did what all of us need to do. She wanted to say, thank you. She wanted to say, Jesus, you've set me free. I I don't have much, but whatever I've got, I just want to say thank you. I want to bless you. I don't want to take for granted what you've done in my life. I want to let you know how appreciative I am, Jesus, for what you've done. So she ministers. They ministered, which means to serve. Oh, to serve. To serve. 
That's almost a taboo word in our society today. You know why? Because we want to be served. We don't want to serve. We want to be served. But the truth is, brothers and sisters, and this is the key, when someone has truly had an encounter with God. Well, let me put it to you this way. When Easter becomes a reality in your life, what happens immediately is a desire to want to serve the Lord. Today in our culture, we have become so narcissistic. We don't like serving. We want to be served. Everything is about me. And you've heard me say this. It's the unholy trinity of our day. Me, myself, and I. Me. What I want. How I feel. What I need. Me. That's what's important in this society. I want to be comfortable. I, it's, I, I, I. And my friends, when self sits on the throne, I got four S's for you. When self sits, self, first S, sits, second S, on the throne like that, then here's my third S, society, and here's my fourth one, will suffer. When we are so self-absorbed and self-contained, we don't serve. There's no way we won't have the humility or the brokenness to serve. Today, it seems the only way to get people to serve is to write them a check. Oh, don't let me preach on this one. Can I say that again for some of us? There are some people, the only way you can get them to serve or do anything is to write them a check. Write them a check. Write them a check. Yeah, 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 yeah. You see, they want to know what is in it for me. What's in it for me? And some will get married only for that purpose. What is it for me? I remember I counseled a couple, and I didn't marry them. This is a long time ago. Because I said, this woman is only marrying this man for his money. Of course, that never happens anymore, does it? What's in it for me? What's in it for me? The benefits. We have become so preoccupied with the benefits, the benefits, even in the church sometimes. Even, yeah, it seems that, look, the most, look, most of the sermons we hear today is what? How to be successful. Oh my God, how to be prosperous. Am I, am I, am I, am I speaking? How to always live in victory. How to get ahead. Always. And so now our pastors have become motivational speakers. That's what pastors have become. Motivational speakers. Rah, rah, rah! Hype, hype, hype! Nike, just do it, man! And so the preaching has become watered down to excitement and goosebump, what I call hot tub Christianity. Feel good. Feel good Christianity. And so we have compromised the word of God. We don't preach on sin anymore. We don't preach on a changed life anymore. We don't preach on repentance anymore. We don't preach on the blood of Christ anymore. We don't preach on commitment anymore. Because, because it, that's, that's not motivational. Pastor Dino, you're not motivational. You, you, you make me feel bad. Well, I, I don't want to make you feel bad. But if the Holy Spirit does, then maybe it's time to change. 
sin. God has not called us to be motivational speakers. That's not what my calling is, I can assure you. You see, we want motivational speakers because it speaks about the benefits and the blessings. We want to be blessed and we want the blessings and we don't want to hear about anything else. Sacrifice and serving, serving. Don't want to serve anybody. You want to serve me, that's fine, but I'm not serving anybody. Oh, my friends, we are suffering today for a lack of service. We have become like a colossal vending machine. Are you ready? Watch this now. A colossal vending machine that says we apologize for any inconvenience because we are out of order. Have you ever, ever been hungry at work and, and uh, your wife forgot to make you lunch? <laughs> and you wanted to to get a sandwich or some chip and you go to the vending machine and it's out of service oh uh, and you know my mind I, I was thinking about that the other day brother Josh you're here your dad and I and uh, Purple's here we went to Ghana on a crusade many years ago when, what year was it Nadia I keep forgetting 201 2001 I was in Ghana with Pastor Josh's father Garrett and uh, coming back from Ghana, we had a tremendous time. We stopped off with a, uh, we, at the Amsterdam airport in Amsterdam. We had to get a connecting flight. And uh, <laughs> I don't want to be too graphic, but I had to go to the washroom. And uh, pretty badly, actually. And so I'm waiting, and so finally I got off the plane, and okay, we went through the protocols of what needs to be done. And so good, now I'm trying to find a bathroom. So I, I'm running. I'm, this time I'm running, and, and I went to, the bathrooms are all filled. Okay, I went to the next one. Bathrooms filled. Finally found one, and, and everything was great. All the stalls were filled except one. One stall was, wasn't full. Oh, God. Went to approach it. Got out of service. Out of service. But I need your service. I need it now. I, I, I need it. Brother Carlton, I think you understand. I need. We get a certain age, you and I. You know, we got, you know, uh, that, that prostate. Yeah, I know, I know. They get. Uh, anyway, out of service, but you, out of service. But I'm supposed to be in service. That's why you're, there's a toilet here. That's why there's a vending machine here. I don't, I don't get it. I. I don't get it. It, it, sh it shouldn't be this way. And I saw it later, my friends. I saw something, not there, and I saw it later. What did I see? You know, friends, as I look at the world filled with plagues and famine and, warms and uh, wars and pandemics, people are running, running, trying to find the answer. They're searching. And in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, Peter tells us that the true believers have the answer. They are the answer. And you are to be giving an answer, an account, that the long-suffering of our Lord in salvation, even as our beloved Paul, also according to the wisdom given to him, written unto you. Let's keep going. Is that the scripture I'm giving you? Let me get it here. Watch this now. So important. It says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts 
And be ready always. Be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. Give a man an answer a reason give them a reason a reason what's going on why are these things happening what's happening in our world be ready to give somebody a reason get ready to give somebody some hope a purpose of what's going on a reason a reason but the people who are supposed to have the answers are out of service my god we're out of service we're out of service there's a sign on your door. Oh, it might be invisible, but there's a sign out of service. Listen, brothers and sisters, I believe I have a word for you this morning. The people in your life are put there for a reason. Why, why? So that you can minister to them, that you can bless them. Uh, I hate to wake you up a little bit, but they're not there just only for you. You might be there for them as well. Have you ever thought about it that way? Why do you think Jesus called you the salt of the earth? Salt doesn't need to be ministered to. Salt ministers to it. You put salt on the meat or the fish or the soup. You don't put the soup on the salt. In other words, the salt's purpose is to minister. Jesus calls you the salt that means you're called to minister. What does salt do? It adds flavor. Your life adds flavor to this world. There should be something about you that brings that je ne sais quoi, that something about you that adds flavor to this world. Salt heals. Your life is like medicine. Your life brings healing. There's just something about you. It brings healing. Your life. Because it's salty. Guess what it does? It causes someone to get thirsty. You've ever had uh, some peanuts that are salted? You've had a bag of chips. You've had a, you went out for dinner and you found out that the linguine is too salty. What's, what's, what? You want to drink something. You see, if your life is salty enough... Watch this now. If your life is salty enough, people who hang around you long enough are going to say, man, I'm, I'm, I'm thirsty. There's something about you that's making me thirst. Not for you, but for God. She ministered. See, this is what happens when you have an encounter with God. I repeat, this is what happens when you experience God in your life. It's automatic. You will minister. You will serve. Life lesson number one. Life is a gift from God. And what you do with it is your gift back to God. Your life is a gift. The air you breathe is a blessing. The fact that blood flows through your veins and you can breathe and live and function is a gift from God. 
And what you do with the gift that he's given you is a reflection of your expression and commitment to God. She was delivered from seven demons and now she wants to bless God. She wants to do something. And we see this throughout all of scripture, don't we? Whenever God did something, a miracle, what was the response of the people that received the miracle? Gratitude, Rick, exactly. What happened to Zacchaeus in Luke 19? He was, they hated him. He was a tax collector. He cheated all kinds of people. Do you know that? What happened when he got saved? What happened? He opened his door. And he said, yes, and he said something profound. Jesus, Jesus, if I've done wrong, I repay it back. And not only am I going to repay it back, I'm going to repay it four times. Four times, even four, more. You see, he was so appreciative of what God had done in his life. Not only did he want to pay it back, but he's going to do it four times over, if I could. My cup runneth over, David said. What about the ten lepers? Jesus healed them all, correct? Ah, yeah, yeah. But only one came back to give thanks. Is that true? Last time I read, is that true? Why did the only one, the one came back to give thanks? I'll tell you why. Ten got healed, but only one got saved. Oh, that, that, don't let that go over your head. Let that sink. Ten got healed. How many people can get healed, but they're not saved? See, when you're truly saved, you've got to go back and say, Jesus, I want to say thank you. I appreciate what you've done in my life. Gratitude. You see, Mary had gratitude. Oh, that's another sermon I can preach on. She had gratitude. She had gratitude. Zacchaeus had gratitude. Gratitude, being thankful. Do you know the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, when someone is filled with the Spirit of God, there's an expression of joy, but verse 18 says that that person gives thanks for everything. How can you give thanks for everything? Give thanks even when I lost my job, Lord? Yes. Lord, you're telling me to give thanks when I broke my leg? Yes. How can someone give thanks for everything unless something has touched their hearts. You can't give thanks to God if your heart is cold and calloused. Giving thanks despite the pain. Giving thanks despite the hurt. Giving thanks despite the confusion. Something's happened to my heart. That's why Paul said, I have learned. I have learned that whatever ever state, no matter what state I am in, Philippians 4, I have learned to be content. 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 Romans chapter 1 verse 21. Watch this now. The Bible says people have backslidden and fallen away. Watch this now. Don't miss this one. People who have backslidden and fallen away, watch it, because that when they knew God, you had a relationship with God, you had some kind of experience with God, but watch it, they glorified Him not. However, over a period of time, you fell away and you didn't desire no longer to give glory to God. Watch this, neither were thankful. Thanklessness, ingratitude 
is a sign of spiritual decay. Can I go deeper? 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses 1 and 2. Now watch this. When people talk about the signs of the times, Bible prophecy, the end of times, we, we talk about a lot of things like famines and earthquakes, certain nations, wars, and we go all the, what Revelation says, we discuss that in detail, but many of us forget this little nugget of truth. Do you know what the sign of the last days are? One of the signs? I'm going to read it for you. Hey, now watch, I don't think you've ever seen this before. I, watch this. Because, watch that, watch that. These are certain men who are lovers of themselves. You see? They're lovers of themselves. They don't want to serve. Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. Oh, there's a sermon, but I won't touch that one. Watch this now. Unthankful. Now, what is the context of verse number two? George, take me to verse number one. Look what it says in verse, this know ye also that in the last days, we are living in the last days, certain signs will take place. What? Certain perilous times, devious is the Greek, devious times shall come. Let's look at verse two now. Look at this, the context. Men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient, un thankful in other words ingratitude no service no appreciation Jesus said what in the last days what will happen to men's hearts colder and you see friends when your heart gets colder and colder there's no appreciation there's no service Men's hearts are getting colder and colder as we speak, which tells me service is diminishing, gratitude is diminishing, appreciation is diminishing. Oh, how important it is to be grateful. How many have forgotten the goodness and the mercies of God? Why do we, and I've said this the other week, the psalmist said, if I forget the Lord, if I forget Jerusalem, if I forget the goodness of God, may the tongue, my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth uh, that I cannot speak. May my tongue, in other words, that I become mute, that I'll never be able to speak again if I forget what God and how good God is to me. My God, let me be a mute for the rest of my life. Wow! What a word! Life lesson number two, are you ready for this? Gratitude fuels expression. Gratitude fuels expression. When you're grateful, there's expression. There's no secret agent when it comes to expression. If you're gratitude, we're going to see it. If you're grateful, we're going to see it. Please don't tell me, well, you know, it's not my personality, Pastor. No, no, no. Got nothing to do with the physicality. Gratitude fuels expression. Now, some believe the woman in Luke chapter 7, the woman that barges in when Jesus was talking with the Pharisees as she washed the feet, believe that this could be Mary that we're talking about here in Luke number 8. I don't believe that, but some believe that. In Luke chapter 7, we see a story of a, of, of a prostitute 
coming in. Why is it it's always the prostitutes? It's always those that were rejected from society. Why is it that these people seem to have the greatest faith? What? Have you ever asked yourself? Don't get mad at me. But it seems that those who've been around for a long time might have the weakest faith. Not always. It's just, it's strange, isn't it, when you think about it? But you know, it's not so strange when you find out what Jesus said. Here's a woman in Luke 7. She's had an encounter with God. She's excited. She hears that Jesus is talking with the Pharisees. She knows she's not allowed to go in there. She doesn't care. She barges in the room. And there's Jesus talking with the Pharisees. They're going through intellectual gymnastics, debating, you know. Who cares? She comes in, she barges in, she falls at his feet, she weeping, she kisses his feet. The Greek word kissing is the word kataphilia, which means shower. She showers, she's kissing his feet. Huh? She weeps before his feet. She couldn't find a towel anywhere, so she takes the only towel she had, her hair, and she begins to wipe his feet. So she goes to the lowest part of Jesus, takes the highest part of the woman, which is her hair. That's what the Bible says, that's her glory. And so she washes Jesus' feet with her glory. <sighs> that's just for free, that's for somebody. But she breaks the vase and she anoints his feet. And the Pharisees with all their religious garb and their religious intelligentsia are there looking and observing. See, religion will only look and observe. Well, don't do this. That's not good. No, they never get involved, by the way. They'll, 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 they'll never wash anybody's feet. They'll tell you how to do it, but they'll never wash it. You ever, you ever meet people that way? Oh, they're always great in giving advice, but they never do anything. Oh, that's another sermon. I got a few sermons this morning. But... Uh, uh, And Jesus embraces her. And the Pharisees, how don't you know that she's a sinner? How dare you? What kind of prophet are you, Jesus? <laughs> and then Jesus said something that is so profound and explains to me why. Why Mary, if this was me? But it doesn't matter if it was Mary. The truth remains. Jesus said something so profound in verse 46. He that loveth much he that loveth much has been forgiven much. And he that's forgiven little serves little. These are not my words. Jesus said that. He that has been forgiven. You see, friends, the problem with some of us, we don't know that we need to be forgiven. Can I say that again? I don't... The problem with many of us, we don't realize that we need to be forgiven. Because we don't think we have any kind of sin that needs to be forgiven. What a travesty and a lie. A lie, that's a lie. You see, she knew she was a sinner. And she was delivered from her sins. And she never forgot it. Oh, the travesty of forgetting the blessings of God. That's 
the birth womb. That's the womb where ingratitude grows. Forgetfulness. Lest I forget Gethsemane. Lest I forget his agony. I can't forget. Love for me. Lead me to Calvary. My God. And so it was her love for God that caused her to be faithful to serve. And the Bible tells us in John chapter 19, verse 25, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Mary Magdalene stood, stood weeping at the feet of Jesus before the cross. Stay with me. But watch this. I want you to see something. Jesus dismisses his mother and commits his mother to, to John. John chapter 19, verse 25 and 27. And so Jesus dismisses his mother, his natural mother, his earthly mother, Jesus, by the way, never really had a mother. God doesn't have a mother. But in the natural realm, he dismisses his mother to John, the Apostle John. But Mary, Mary stood there right to the end. She didn't go anywhere. Mary couldn't leave the cross. She, she was there. She couldn't leave. Mary couldn't go anywhere. She, she had to be there so she's faithful not only before the cross, but she is faithful after the cross, after his death. And we see her in our text at the tomb in Mark chapter 16, verses 1 to 9. What a contrast from the two disciples in Luke 24. Does somebody know the story? In Luke 24, there's two disciples going to Emmaus about seven miles from Jerusalem. They're walking downcast. They're discouraged. And the Bible says Jesus appears, appears to them acting as if he was just a regular man. And he asks them, what's wrong? He says, haven't you heard? Haven't you heard Jesus? Jesus, he's dead. He's, we don't know where he is. And he's something. And they're all complaining. They're all murmuring. They're depressed. They don't know where Jesus is. They think that he's died and that's it. And Jesus eventually reveals himself to them. They were depressed and they, were, they left. They're going back to, Jeru to Emmaus. They, they couldn't stick around. They didn't really believe it. They're depressed. They're discouraged. But she's faithful. She's faithful right to the end. They left discouraged. No, 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 no. But she stuck around. I'm gonna, Mary, Mary, she could never go. There was something about Mary. She was too appreciative. She had too much love. She couldn't go. And in Matthew 27, verses 55 to 61, the Bible tells us she's following certain men who are carrying Jesus to the tomb and she kept following them her eyes were on her master and in verse 61 the Bible says that she is now sitting over the tomb she's sitting over the tomb again I gotta ask you where are the other apostles where's Peter where's Andrew John where are you Mary's there by herself. Well, have, have you not had an experience with God? What's going on here? What was it about Mary, her faithfulness, her commitment? Everybody's leaving, everybody's forsaking Jesus, but she's there. She couldn't. She had no, she, she had too much love. Because she's been forgiven of so much. 
Where's Peter who walked on water? Peter. Do you know Peter was the only man aside from Christ that walked on water? Well, where are you, Mr. Miracle? Where, 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 where are you? What about Andrew and, and, and John? Remember the story? Andrew and John, they had, the Bible says, they went fishing all night and they caught nothing. Jesus comes on the scene being God, said, why don't you cast your net over here? But Jesus, we were fishing all night. We caught nothing. We're fishermen. You, you, I don't know if you know about fishing. Uh, you, you just cast your net. And the Bible says they obeyed Jesus. They cast the net. They had so much fish. They called the other boats to come in. They, the boat would have sunk. They caught so much fish. They saw miracle after miracle. It was Jesus who fed the thousands. They saw that. They saw them healing the lame, the blind. They saw miracle after miracle after miracle. But I ask you Peter and John where are you you can see miracles and yet you're not there you're not at the tomb your faith has gone into an eclipse Something has happened that has distracted you. But Mary's there. She had seen the cruel treatment of the soldiers. She saw what they did to him. She was there, you see. She saw it. She saw the long four-inch rusted out nails pound the feet and wrists of Jesus. She saw the spear that pierced his side where we, blood and water gushed out where Pastor Melody so eloquently explained to us on Friday. The blood that flowed down his brow from the sharp, spiny, three-inch thorns that pierced his scalp as they pushed it into his brow and blood was flowing. She saw that. She saw it. She saw Cat of nine, the 39 whips of sharp bone penetrating Jesus' back, lacerations where blood was flowing right to the bone. She saw that. She even saw the, and watched the soldiers gambling off his garments like items at an auction. She saw that. She heard Jesus cry out in agony. Oh, Father, Father, forgive them. She heard him cry out in agony. I thirst. She heard him cry out, finally, teliosa, the Greek word, for it is finished. She heard that. She even saw the darkness that came over the earth when Jesus died. She saw the graves open up. The Bible tells us as people came out of the grave. She saw that. She was there. She was there. Oh, friends, are you there? Are you there? Could you put yourself in the place of Mary? My God, yes, her Savior. Yes, her Savior had died. Yes, the one who healed her, the one who saved her. She stood by him, and now she is following him to the grave. I can't go back. He's done too much for me. When I think about the Lord, how he saved me, how he raised me, how he healed me makes me want to shout hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. 
And so she's faithful before the cross. She's faithful after the cross. And then she's faithful beyond the cross. You see, love won't let you go. Love will keep going. Love will keep going. And in our text in Mark chapter 16, she is now at the tomb. Now watch this. I'm going to give you some A's. We're going to come to a close in a few moments. But watch this. She's the first to arrive, verses 4 and 6. My second A. She's the first to announce the empty tomb. And number three, she's the first to see his appearance. My third A. Verse 9. First. First. A whole list of firsts. Mary, first. First. To see. To announce. See. For, why Mary? Why Mary? Why not Peter? Why not John? Why Mary? What was it about Mary? Mary. Why, why Mary? I'll tell you why. Life lesson number three. Jeremiah chapter 29 verses 11 to 13 says, If, notice, if you search for me with all your heart, if you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. I tell people, they don't like it. Oh, pastor, you know, I did this and I that. And you know, yeah, but God hasn't. Have you sought him with all your heart? Well, why are you telling me that? Of course I have. No, you haven't. Because the Bible says you will find him. John 14, 21 says, if you obey his word and follow him, he will reveal himself, manifest. Notice the word if. Oh, pastor, but I did this. No, no. Are you obeying his word? Second Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9, one of my favorite verses. The eyes of the Lord are running to and fro throughout the earth, showing himself strong to those whose hearts are committed to him. Amen. He will show himself strong to you. There's no ifs or ands or buts. John 15 Verse 14 and 15 says, If you follow me and you obey me, you are no longer called servants or slaves, but friends. Friend. And you know what happens with friends? Friends talk about intimate things. I mean, if you're my friend, we talk about personal things. But your servant, you don't discuss those things. But with your friends, you do. What is Jesus saying? I'm going to become intimate with you in a sense of relationship and Intimacy. That's why Mary was so great. She truly loved God. And because she loved God, she followed Him and was committed to Him, was faithful. Love gives birth to faithfulness. Love gives birth to gratitude. She was with them through it all. 1 Corinthians 4 1 says, It is required unto a servant to be faithful. That's the requirement faithfulness. Faithfulness. Yes, this, my friend was a woman who had seven demons cast out of her, who loved God, never forgot what he had done for her. Let me ask you, do you love God this morning or is Easter just another holiday? 
Do you love God this morning or is Easter just another holiday that you can gather together and go away on weekends and cottages and have fun with families and yet, yet they have no idea what they're celebrating? I said this earlier. How many families, friends, they get together on Easter or they'll have a big, in our Greek culture, you know, we have a, a Greek, we, 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 some of us, we, we, we make sure we get a big lamb and some of them cook the whole lamb on a spit. Back in the old days, and a spit, and my, when I was in Montreal, we used to do that. And we would have all these Greek potatoes and, and all kinds of and lamb and, and all kinds of, you name it. It was there, the best meal you ever had in your life. If you like meat, but that's another story. But, but, but talk to them about Jesus. What? what you, don't, are, you, are you kidding? They'll, but they'll have the best Easter celebrations there are. Have no idea who God is. Is that not you, John? Is that not you, my friend? Culture doesn't save you. Religion doesn't save you. Let me close with this. John chapter 20 verses 11 to 16. John chapter 20 verse 11 16. Mary sees two men who are angels. They're carrying, they're there and they're in the garden and she asks him, she's weeping, she's asking, have you seen where they put Jesus? Two angels in white, one at the head, one at the feet, where the body of Jesus had laid. Verse 13. And they said to her, woman, why weepest thou? And she said unto them, because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And when she thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. She knew not that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She supposing him to be a gardener, saith unto him, sir, if thou hast borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him and I will take him up. I gotta serve him even, even while he's dead. I'm gonna serve him. Then verse 16, Jesus looks to her. Oh my, 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 my. Mary. Mary. And she turned herself towards him and said, Rabboni, which means teacher. Master. She realized something. She turns to him and recognizes something and joy in ecstasy rises up within her. What a moment. Listen, my friends, life lesson. She didn't recognize her, his face, but she recognized his voice. She didn't recognize his face, but she recognized his voice. She didn't recognize his face, but she recognized his voice. Oh, I see something. Sometimes we may not recognize what Jesus is doing. Uh, we're not able to see clearly. We can't see his face. We don't understand what God is doing. We don't see clearly. But, 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 but we can hear his voice. What is Jesus? My sheep hear. But, 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 don't misquote it, please. Notice the word my. The Greek word, or theos, mu, my, my, my personal, my 
Do you know God as my God? You see, if you don't know God as my God, if you don't have an encounter, you won't be able to hear his voice. I don't know who I'm speaking to. You see, that's why she was able to hear his voice. My sheep hear my. And every shepherd had a distinct voice. Back in the day, every shepherd had, shepherd had a different voice. Some was a whistle. Just a, some was just a grunting kind of sound. It was all different. And each sheep would know and was familiar with the shepherd's call. So, so a false shepherd would give a call and the sheep wouldn't run to him because it wasn't the voice of their master, of their shepherd. But my sheep hears my voice voice you may not recognize what God is doing in your life but if you know him as my God you're going to understand you're going to hear his voice and Isaiah tells us I believe it's the 32nd chapter it says that you will hear my voice saying go this way you will hear my voice don't go to the right don't go to the left what Isaiah is saying you'll be able to hear his voice leading you and directing you and guiding you friends have you heard his voice Do you know him? And you've heard me say about the seals. When mama seal goes and gets some food for their young ones and they come back and the young ones, they, they're starving and, and sometimes uh, there, there, there are thousands of seals and, 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 and mother has a hard time. Where is my baby? Where's my, can't, re- but, but, but the mother ultimately ends up always finding her baby not by how it looks, because they all look the same, even to a seal, but the voice. She knows her baby by the voice. And my sheep hear my voice. But you can't know the voice of God unless you're spending time with God. Can I say that again? You can't know the voice of God unless you're spending time with God. And if you're not spending time with God, be careful because you might be deceived by other voices that might sound like him. My God. Let me close. I was in India 2002. Nadia is so much better than I am when it comes to uh, dates. I was preaching a a campaign there as well. And uh, the pastor invited uh, my friend Rick and I for lunch, for dinner, excuse me, after church. And as we're having dinner, we had some uh, biryani. I like biryani. We had some biryani. I remember that distinctly. And as we started, this one of the men that were eating with us, I think he was a board member, gets up and just takes off. I said, what happened now? Just imagine that you're eating, somebody gets up and just takes off out of the room. And uh, the pastor said, don't worry, Pastor Dino, don't worry about it, he's, he's going to do something, he'll be back soon. I said, okay, no problem. He comes back 45 minutes later, sweating profusely. He's sweating profusely. He comes running back and he sits down and he puts in front of me a Coca-Cola and beside my friend, my associate, Rick, a Coca-Cola. And I said, oh, okay, okay. I finished eating, but that's fine. I, I no problem. Okay, you know, thank you so much. That's very nice of you, sir. 
And then the pastor looked at me and says, Pastor Dino, I, I, know, I know you don't get it. I, I know you don't understand what just happened. I go, no, I, I'm very thankful. He said, Dino, no, 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 no. You see, Pastor Dino, this man, he's a worker in the fields. He's like a farmer. He gets $2 a day, a day. He works between 12 to 14 hours for $2. This Coke that you have now is $2.50. Your friend's Coke, $2.50. That's $5. That's more than two days of strenuous work, sweat, and pain. I said, I almost didn't feel like drinking it. <laughs> okay, th please take it. And I, I said, I couldn't. I said, that, oh, I said, no, I gave it back to him. He said, no, pastor, if you do that, you'll, you'll, you'll dishonor him. I asked him, why, why did he do that? He said, Pastor Dean, I'm going to tell you why. Can I tell you why? Because he was so appreciative of what God had done in his life. And he just wanted to bless me. Not because of me, but because of Jesus. When you're appreciative of what God has done in your life, you will serve. You will bless. You will minister. Because appreciation and gratitude will always go the extra mile. This is why Jesus appeared to Mary and not Peter. To this woman who had seven demons cast. My God. No depth of sin. No possession of demons can separate us from the love of God. Yes, this is Jesus, the one who rose from the dead. Yes, he who is the bread of life began his ministry hungering. He who is the water of life ended his ministry thirsting. Jesus hungered as a man, yet fed the thousands. He was weary, yet he is our peace and our rest. He paid tribute, yet he is the king. He was called the devil, but he casted out demons. He prayed, yet he hears prayers. He wept, yet he wipes the tears from your eyes. He was sold for 30 pieces of silver, yet he redeems sinners such as I. Yeah, yeah, he was a lamb led to the slaughter, yet he is the good shepherd. He gave his life by dying. He gave his life by dying, but destroyed death by rising. Can someone shout amen? Can we all stand together, please? 